0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Planes on the Prairie podcast. My name's Sam. I'm joined here by Max. Hello. And uh, yeah, you had a little exciting trip here. Yes.
1: Yep. I, uh, this let's see, on Monday of this past week or this week, I got back from Colorado. Nice. Yeah. It was uh, a lot of fun and a lot of airplanes. <laughs>
0: very, very nerdy trip, huh? Yeah,
1: oh, my goodness. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to be talking about your trip. Um, So those of you who have been following week by week, um, this Monday's episode, it's a little bit of a break from our North Dakota Aces series. So like we said when we did our first episode, um, if something comes up that we think warrants an episode, we're just going to take a break from the Aces series. And just a heads up, we did find a a 10th ace, so there will be plenty more for compensation for that. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, We're adding another to make up for this little off the beaten path, uh off the beaten path episode
0: yeah and who knows we might find another i know I, i'm a
1: little worried i think we're gonna find at least maybe one or two more
0: <laughs> yeah so um so you just got back a few days ago so we're recording this on the 31st just to sort of mm-hmm. heads up but yeah
1: yep i got back monday i think that would have been the 27th or 28th i think i'm not really good with my dates but yeah, we uh I flew out from Fargo um around 11 on Thursday and got in around noon to um Denver International Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh very haunted and laced with conspiracies, but um no, I was joined my, by my friend Thomas out there and the first day that we were out we spent um plane watching at buckley space Force Base, nice. and we actually managed to catch two f-16s from the colorado air national guard taking off for um training flights and uh, another guy that i know via instagram told me to keep an eye out for the sandbox departure because they're all they will sometimes take off and immediately bank either to the left or the right at maybe you know 100 200 feet off the ground and Sure enough, the second F-16 that we saw take off did right. Just exactly That's that. Awesome. Took off maybe. I, I I could literally see the pilot waving at me. And I didn't have binoculars. I didn't have a camera lens. I just, with my own two eyes, I saw the pilot wave at me. That was...
0: And sometimes it's better to not capture it. It's exactly. Like... like,
1: I I my camera wasn't working at the... Or I didn't have it set up at the time. My buddy had a super long lens. Mm-hmm. So he was getting the pictures. I wanted to record a video. But I was so in just awe ah, of this yeah. f-16 and the second he turned right towards me i just left my phone on the roof of the truck and watched as he flew over it was sometimes your eyes are the best way exactly yep. i i remember it in here yeah
0: you won't forget so, it so, i
1: won't forget it i won't oh that's awesome yeah thanks
0: man yeah so then you your first stop was buckley yeah so, so
1: um not long after that we had a tour arranged uh, to check out the static displays they have on base there um so a couple of beautiful ones it's one of the few air Guard bases that has two of the same Jets in the mm. same display so they had two f100s um an A7 an 86 Texan the war bird very strange you don't see that very often no. um uh f80 a rare f86 F gunbell um basically cannons instead of the machine guns in the nose mm. so very unique um and then a early f-16 from i think 1979 so sure. and then a H- h1 cobra too yeah. so you know kind of I, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill static displays but you know the way that they were presented and the colors it was a lot of them were beautiful a lot of them i think all of them needed just a little bit of a touch up but you know yeah when so- you have a, a bigger priority like an actual flying mission statics get pushed to the back burner
0: right so which one kind of stood out to you
1: for me personally, it was the F-100C um, that was painted up in pre-Vietnam marking. So it wasn't camouflaged mm-hmm. and it had like the iconic boomerang tail. Oh, yeah. Um, it was green, like a lime kind of green. I, I I wish I had a color to describe it. Like it it wasn't lime, but it wasn't like dark olive green. It like was bright color. It was, yeah, it was bright. Yeah. It, it was very nice. Um Followed very shortly or closely behind by that gun bell, yeah. Minuteman Sabre. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was in the markings of the Minutemen, which was a Colorado Air National Guard demo team, which flew special variants of the Sabre um, in the throughout the 1950s. And they were the only Air National Guard demo team uh, during that time, along with the Acrojets and the Thunderbirds. And eventually the Air Force said, we need to consolidate all these teams into one. And that's how the Thunderbirds became the only Air Force Um, demonstration team up until they started doing like individual fighter aircraft demos to showcase their technology capabilities, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Then you moved on. Yep. So uh, the next day we had a tour lined up at Peterson Space Force Base down in Colorado Springs, Uh, much bigger, much bigger museum. Um, Very, I, I will say for being the headquarters of NORAD, it was very easy to get onto that base really? and once we were on maybe i shouldn't be saying this but we basically could walk wherever we wanted to <laughs> like it, it was a little not like, I, I mean it wasn't concerning by any stretch because you did have to go through a very rigorous background check you know yada 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 get there but once you were on base it was kind of like hey there i mean you're here you're meant to be here, I guess. So, um, but yeah, they had a very wide range of aircraft. Uh, the oldest one being a P 47 N from the Puerto Rican air national guard from the the 50 late forties, early fifties. That was, that was super cool. Right. I, I don't think I've seen many P 47s and that one, let
0: exa- alone marked in a guard.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's the only P 47 yeah. marked in air guard markings. Um, and then I think the most recent fighter that they have there probably is probably the Eagle. That would be my guess. No, the Hornet.
0: Hornet, yeah. Hornet, yep,
1: yep. The Hornets, the most recent one. It's a Canadian Hornet, a CF one eighty eight. Yep, I believe yeah. is what they are. Um, but yeah, really cool museum. Uh, I will say my one disappointment was when I was there; they were in the process of repainting a lot of the jets, mm. so um, some of them, you know, were stripped of markings, or it looked like they had just been sanded off. Like I don't know it. I get it. You know, I static aircraft are my passion, right. and I get you know you have to always keep them looking good, and that requires maintenance. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my visit caught them during that maintenance period. But you know, I did get to see the fifth fighter interceptor squadron F F1, one or F fifteen Eagle that we covered in a previous episode. This one actually intercepted a Tu ninety five Bear. Um, from an alert detachment at Loring Air Force Base in Maine. So that was really neat.
0: Yeah. And then you had a follower met, uh, send you pictures, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. One of my um, Instagram followers is uh, the former crew chief for, I think it's 76-0024. And he was the crew chief at on that jet at Minot from, I think, 85 to 88. Mm. And yeah, he sent me a photo of the intercept of the TU-95 plus a couple of j- pictures of the jet on... You know, static and taxing by at Minot, and at, I think at an air show. So, really cool. And I, I know we were talking about it before the episode, but it's those connections that you meet that it's just like, where it else are you going to get? Makes that? it all worth it, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other aircraft that I think people would like the EC one twenty one, the Constellation, yeah, or the Warning Star, Warning right? Star yeah. yeah. Holy cow! That right there is worth the, you know, 25 minutes it takes to get onto the base yeah. cuz the interior has been meticulously um recreated and refurbished to look literally like it just got off the flight line. Mm. Like I think they're only missing a handful of things, like that would have actually been on functioning like that you would have seen. Mm. Obviously they couldn't open up like the radar compartments or anything like that, but um like screens were all in, toilets, like I think like they're missing a handful of like crew parachutes that are pretty rare these days, but long story short, like all the instruments were in the cockpit, which was
0: super cool. It looks like it could have, it it
1: literally, I was, I I was telling the Dawson and my friend Tom, like it literally looks like if you were to sit up there and mess around for maybe 10 minutes, you could probably turn over inch one. Like Mm -hmm. it was in beautiful shape.
0: That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you moved on to yep so the uh, next day
1: we hopped into the uh hopped into tom's car and drove about an hour and a half south of um centennial or denver Mm. down to pueblo Pueblo, yeah um i mean if if you're in denver for a a few days it's not worth your time to drive it's Mm. just and not not to say the museum isn't great because it is but it's very far Mm. and Tom and I kind of realized that, say, oh, my, this is a little further than we expected. But we rolled in and, you know, you're greeted right by like the first stage of an Atlas rocket. Mm -hmm. Like and you're you're greeted by F-84B on a pole, just a really cool museum. And then when you walk into the main hangar, you're greeted by a B-29. Can't beat that. Cannot beat that. And, you know, you forget how big those planes are. Then you got to think, wow, there were formations of hundreds of these bombers it's like that that's unfathomable to me. And this one, I, I will say this is not a normal experience. So if you do go there after listening to this podcast, I cannot promise you that you will get the same experience that Tom and I did. But, um, we got to talking with one of the restoration gentlemen, his name is actually Dick Wood or Richard Wood. That is his name. I'm not making it up.
0: It's an awesome name.
1: Super nice guy though. Super nice. Um, I got something to tell you on actually after the podcast, but I'll save that for after. Um, but he knew, or I, I mentioned that I worked at the air museum and was heavily involved with, you know, whatever. And he said, Oh yeah. You want to check out the cockpit? And we were in that plane for probably, Oh gosh, maybe an hour and a half hour 45. And he was just telling us about how painstakingly he has restored that plane because it's, the B-29 that they have is not on loan from the Air Force. It's actually a Navy plane because it was sent to China Lake as a target um, for the Navy. And the Navy, unlike the Air Force, doesn't have a surplus of B-29 parts in storage somewhere, even though I don't think the Air Force has that either. I don't think anywhere, really. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you're, you know, maybe the commemorative Air Force or DOC. Which fighters he,
0: magically has yep. some problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did say that... Um, there are a couple parts of Fifi that are in the cockpit there. He couldn't remember which huh. ones, but kind of cool to see. And Doc had a couple parts in there that they had traded out and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was just so cool. And then, you know, kind of, I'll be honest, kind of emotional. Like you sit in, like we, we weren't sitting in the cockpit, but I was sitting up on the bombardier section. And I don't know if you've been in the nose, it would be 29, but you are like, if you are in the bombardier spot, you are like sitting over the edge of the plane
0: right it's, and
1: it, it is like your feet are on glass literally they are on glass yeah and, it's
0: like those glass skyways if you've ever been on exactly it yeah, is it
1: literally it's, is.
0: it's really surreal
1: yeah and if you're on a mission and I was saying like if you're on a mission over Japan and you're you know 23 24
0: I would be terrified well, especially yeah uh, well they were flying at the tail end of the war yeah you had pilots on the other side that had nothing to lose and you know common misconception on a sidetrack here, getting here, but um, that they were defeated, the Japanese, they were not. No. That's where the most intense, everything That's when they were, yeah, yeah,
1: that's when they were getting intense, so um, pretty cool. I I was doing some research on the airframe itself last night, and it's that B-29, allegedly according to the staff, never left the United States, but some other information I said or found said that it was on tinian hmm. i couldn't verify either of them so take it with a grain of salt um but it's painted up as a b29 uh that was uh nicknamed peachy and had some very interesting nose art <laughs> um let's just say it's a red headed cowgirl wearing almost nothing very, leaving very little to the imagination. If we put it on YouTube, it'd be... If mon- we put it on YouTube, we would have to... Uh, we Demonetize. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you're just going to have to Google it. I promise. Just Google B-29 <laughs> Peachy. Very nice. Um, but, that the original Peachy was actually shot down by um, damage received from an enemy aircraft. Ooh. And it was... The, I, let me backtrack here. Peachy was in the markings of a Pueblo native... Um, I don't remember his name, but he was the aircraft commander of it during the war Um, on a mission that they weren't flying that plane. A replacement crew was, and that's when it went down with all hands. So, you know, it's one of those things that like it's it gives it gives me chills because Mm. it's like, you know, that the one mission where it's like, no, you're flying, you know, Rob's jet or plane today. That's the mission that everyone's lost. Right. So. Um, yeah, when it was donated to the city in, I believe 76, they had it repainted as peachy to honor that he, he did, he survived the war. He came back, but to honor his legacy and stuff yeah. like that, they had it repainted like it's really, so yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, there were quite a few other aircraft there, uh, a MiG 20, uh, it's, I think it was a MiG 23 flogger killer, um, F-15 Eagle. That was really neat. Um, uh, uh, the, um, assets or SH it's a bat. the oh,
0: whatever, three,
1: the SH, I, I no. don't think it's a three, um, SH
0: 34, I think is it, I think that's a, yeah, it. Was, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, the CBAT, uh, really cool. It was actually the backup helicopter to rescuing hmm. or recovering Alan Shepard after the Mercury seven NASA mission in May of 1961. Um, very very bright blue Mm -hmm. with some very attractive day glow orange and
0: part of the dynasty
1: part of the dynasty so actually this is really neat um you know it's one of those things on that helicopter you know they have benches in front of it Mm -hmm. you know you can climb inside and sit you know where all the rescue crew would have sat but the dawson that we were with said if you look under you'll notice that we wrote cut shoot right like underneath the door and he said that is one of the most overlooked things on um, SS or SH thirty fours that are on display is because you know they're on display on the ground, no one's going to be looking up at them. But when they were recovering these, you know, navy divers and astronauts, um, or the pot or these uh, capsules that mm-hmm. the astronauts would have gone up into space in, the rule was to cut the parachutes from those capsules. Because when the Navy divers went in, they could get tangled in right. them and drown. So that was kind of a subtle reminder to the Navy jumpers to cut yeah. the chutes. So they they would separate and just drift out into the mm. ocean. And that, he was like, Yeah, we're, you know, if, if we, I think they talked to like one of the former crew chiefs or helicopter pilots of those, the bats. And he said, "Like you cannot put that on display without having cut shoe underneath the door," and they had it. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah, isn't that, it? It's cool a little detail. Yeah. yeah,
1: those little details I I absolutely love. Um, I I wish I could go into more detail about Pueblo. It's, it could be an
0: episode on its own. It, it really
1: could. It, that that museum is awesome. The staff, I gotta say, the staff were a second to none. They yeah. were beyond polite. Super nice and knowledgeable. Like it seemed like every person that we talked to had a different function within the museum and could tell you, like, how many rivets were on, like, an F4 Phantom, like crazy detail. And then the restoration area that's where we saw the 13th production or th- 13th pre production um, F 104 Starfighter. So, YF 104, mm-hmm. um, they're currently repainting that one. Um, but they have like guys working on. I think CAG is the name of it. Like computer, whatever. I am not an engineer. Oh, so. your CAD stuff. CAD. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they had uh, engineers working on CAD stuff. Um, volunteers stripping paint off of this jet. Like it. Everyone. It. It, it looked like a giant puzzle. Hmm. But everyone had a specific piece that fit in perfectly. It was so cool to see, and it. It. You know. It inspired me as a museum worker myself, it inspired me to really kind of, I'll be honest, step up our game. Right. So any staff or people that know of Pueblo air museum round of applause, you guys are doing it right down there. (laughs) So, um, and then the next day, our final full day in Colorado, at least mine, um, was at the air force Academy in Colorado Springs. And this one was special. Um, I got to meet up with a longtime Instagram follower of mine, uh, Tim Harris. He's a 19, I believe, 1987. uh, Tim, I apologize if I'm wrong. 1986 or 87 graduate. I think he's 86. Yep, 86 graduate of the Air Force Academy. And his wife is a professor there. So Hmm. she was able to get us into some very, uh, let's let's just say there was one room that she showed us that you do not want to be in if you're a, a cadet or a student. You're in there, that means you were caught cheating or lying Ooh, or stealing. Yeah. And you are in some deep you know what if you mm-hmm. were in that room. And she showed us it and it's wow. it's intimidating. It yeah. is even being a guest in there, it's like wow, he would be screwed. You would be thing. very screwed. They had literally had a box of tissues at the student's end of the table where wow. they sit. So yeah.
0: That's
1: crazy. Yeah. Like I
0: said, it career ending room.
1: It it, it really is. I, I mean, that's literally what I think she called it is this is where your hopes and dreams of being a Academy grad go to die.
0: Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Um, but the air force Academy is famous for having obviously not just, you know, an incredible collection of static aircraft, but it's the Academy. Yeah. Um, I know when we were out there, we had to swing by um, the air force Academy cemetery. Um, there's one individual in particular that I was really hoping to find that we did. It was a uh, Brigadier General Robin Old's grave, mm-hmm. um, covered in nickels, as yep. one can imagine. So yep. that was very cool. Um, it wasn't until after I left that I realized that Curtis LeMay, the father of S- Strategic, Strategic Air yeah. Command, was buried there. So that is cool. that was one that I was kind of kicking myself for not seeing Um, there were a couple other like, you know, test pilots Mm and, you know, famous Academy grads buried there. Um, but yeah, Robin Olds was the one that I really wanted to see. And I'm glad I did. Um, but some of the statics that are noteworthy and, you know, I could list them all, but, um, Meg killer B 52, uh, that was this, there's only two of them that are known to exist. I saw the, the technically the first one last year at Fairchild and I saw, This one this year. So that was kind of cool seeing them a year apart. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Pre-production F-16 on the TIS or the Terrazzo. uh, Spirit of St. Louis Mm -hmm. two F-100F Super Sabre that flew um, Charles Lindbergh's route um, 30 years to the day. Yes, much faster. (laughs) Uh, Charles Lindbergh, for those who don't know, flew that route in 33.5 hours. Uh, this F-100 flew it in six hours and 37 minutes. So, yep, basically left Old Lindbergh in the dust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A few times over. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and then probably my favorite aircraft actually on campus or on like the base or not base, but on the school's property property yeah. was the six-time meg killer mm-hmm. F-4D, uh, 66-7463. Well, how I remember that, I have... Some I'm not idea.
0: surprised. I know. I, at yeah. this point, I just... I just assume you know the
1: number. <laughs> but yeah, that one, that was cool. I have a slide of that jet and actually seeing such a remarkable piece of Air Force history. Like that that jet alone could probably be in either the Smithsonian oh, or, or sure. the Air Force Museum. Yeah, The fact that it's on campus there to motivate and inspire the next generation of Air Force pilots is very impressive well, it
0: goes to show it's like that while well, I was reading an article it's like talking about aces and, and stuff you know through our research it's like you might not see that ever again no I kind of hope not but yeah i hope yeah, not
1: either um but,
0: uh, it's impressive to yeah, see. yeah
1: it's the highest killing air and you know maybe that's that's not saying a lot for um you know that for the 1960s because you know a decade and some change earlier you had some Uh, sabers f-86 sabers that probably had 13 or 14 kills to Mm -hmm. their belt but and then you take a look at some mustangs that had 30 30, or 40 kills to their airframe Mm -hmm. credit but six in an era where fighting is almost all by missile it's impressive that's that is impressive that's very impressive and i should mention it was not all by one general or one pilot or with crew it was by multiple different crews um but the fact that it was able to survive That many combat engagements and walk away with six kills is pretty remarkable. All occurring actually within, I believe, uh, five or within a year. They all happened in 1972. Like, I think the first one was in March and the last one was in either August or September. Kept busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then our last day was in um denver uh we went to wings over the rockies which was the only place that i'd actually been to prior i visited back in 2019 um wings over the rockies it's a it's a cool museum it's uh it's a little on the spendier side so be prepared to drop a little bit of money to get in Um, but you know it's, it's worth the admission and you know you're supporting a, a museum and they do a phenomenal job on restorations preservation um, and education they you know very similar to what the Fargo Air Museum does mm-hmm. the Denver Wings Over the Rockies Museum they do an awesome job at uh, showcasing you know all the aircraft that had previously and some of them are more civilian but um, all most of their aircraft were uh, static displays at the former Lowry Air really? Force Museum or Air Force Base um, and Lowry was a huge technical school back in the 50s through the 90s where they taught Airmen, how to be firefighters, photographers, maintenance guys, like you name it. So a lot of those jets, you know, during the sixties, they would have been there to teach, like, let's say teach an airman how to load a missile onto mm. an F-4. And then, you know, once the F-4s, maybe not the F-4s isn't a good example. F-100s, yeah, you know, teach students how to mount bombs on F-100s. And then when F-100s were phased out in the seventies, then it just went on display on base. So Pretty cool turnover. I I really liked it. And then they did a phenomenal job at, you know, honoring the history of some of these jets. So like an F-100 that may have been like originally displayed in Vietnam colors, it was stripped of its paint, actually painted to how it looked. So kind of cool. The F-100 that they had very beautiful green markings was stationed at, I think, Aviano Air Base in Italy during the Berlin crisis Mm -hmm. in 60s, 61, 62, early 60s. So they honor that history through a credit yeah. correct scheme. Cause it, it was retired or withdrawn from use, um, before Vietnam. So it never wore, oh, never, yeah, never so. even saw Vietnam service. And that's
0: nice. It's a lot of museums, you know, tend to throw it into yep. uh, just a, a popular scheme, but then mm-hmm. that's really nice that they throw that touch on. Yep, them.
1: They honor its actual history. Same with the F one Oh five, um, very early model, mm-hmm. um, D D model one Oh five. And Again, never saw combat in Vietnam and actually never received some of the upgrades that F-105s flying in Vietnam would have gotten. So it was cool because it still had, you know, some of those extra boxes or like, you know, this one had like a fan for cooling down something on it. And, you know, Vietnam F-105s didn't really have that. So the fact that this one was very close to a production D model, that was super cool. Yeah um can't go wrong with the b1a i think no. one of two only two surviving and mm-hmm. the only surviving one that actually has the ejectable cockpit section
0: really?
1: so not just um the ejection seats mm-hmm. like proto or standard b1s have now right like the whole so cockpit fun, section yeah. just whoop, just fire
0: off crazy yeah so
1: oh uh, yeah and again you know if you ever find yourself in denver that's probably the most um, easy to access if you're there for a day or two. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it sounds like it was a blast. It,
1: oh, yeah. Sam, I, I, before I, before we wrap this podcast up, I just, I got to give a, a quick thank you to my friend, Thomas, um, without him driving or without his vehicle, like none of this would have been possible. Um, I want to thank my friend, uh, Oh my gosh. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh my gosh. Uh, Tim. Oh my gosh, Tim. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, Tim, thank you for taking us around the air force Academy and thank your wife too. Um, she did more than what she needed to for that, uh, tour. And then the staff at Pueblo and Chuck at uh, the wings over the rock. He's just all around amazing people. And we got to see far more than we should have for yeah. what we paid for admission. I, I I told Chuck or um, um, Richard at Pueblo that I would pay the admission probably four or five times over just to experience what I did and he just laughed. But yeah, yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of sit down format. I mean, Sam, do you have anything else to to add?
0: No, it's uh, things like this are, you know, takes a lot of people to make happen and, you know, Thanks to, you know, everybody who made this happen Absolutely. for you. I, you know, it helps, helps us put out content and, mm-hmm. you know, all of you guys who, I think we have a lot of loyal listeners that, you know, we don't have a huge following, but mm-hmm. it's more like, you know, everybody's kind of a regular, it's yeah. kind of like a small town restaurant. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say
1: a small town restaurant or, you know, another hangout spot, just, you know, you come back every week and, you know, what are they going to talk about this time? But yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to see these, the I got a more than I think I got close to 13,000 photos and even more videos. How many memory cards did you go through? Three. I went through three memory cards. That's um, so a lot of those will be posted both on um Plains of the Prairie podcast, obviously, and then um, I'll share them on my personal account. And I, I figured you know, for some of these, now that we're talking about them, we might as well share them to the Plains on the Prairie um stories yeah so you can catch them there um so sh- yeah
0: I'm sure they'll be on aerial visuals they, eventually
1: oh <laughs> yes they will they are, so most of them already have <laughs> yeah but uh for next week we're gonna hop back into our aces series and uh
0: what who are we covering next week it'll be clarence or spike borley yeah williston native and he's the the one that we rediscovered yes just the brand just new one. discovered yeah so. so stay tuned for that next monday um other than that i think that's all we got.
1: I think that's all we got.
0: Yeah, well thanks for listening guys. We'll yeah. catch you next week. All right,
1: thanks guys. See ya.